As you can see, hopefully, we have been going through the entire book of Joshua and utilizing the principles that we have found throughout this book. We began dealing with the crossing over. We looked at that. We looked at the crossover that took place. Then from there, we entered into the arena to be able to see the first triumphant battle that they had against Jericho. And then we see their first defeat. We see judgment. We see different things that take place. We see this process that is going on, and the children of Israel are walking through the promised land. We see them get corrected, and we see uh, we watched how God delivered the nation that all of the nations that were in that land unto them. How the Lord liberated them and brought them into the land and gave them the land to possess. And so now we're coming to the latter part of the book, the latter part of the book, the end of the story here. We have two more chapters and we'll be done. But we find here that in this book, it is awesome because we get to see the God. We, we get to see God working out his prophetic purpose with the children of Israel. We have this wonderful benefit. There's a wonderful benefit that we have, that we are able to sit down and open our Bibles, and we can flip to the back of the book, and we can see what was the end result. We don't have to wait for the story to be told to us because we can sit down and we can read it ourselves, and we can hear what is going on. But, there's a, but, but the reason why that, that's wonderful for us, but for them, it wasn't like that. They couldn't flip to the end of the story. They had to live through this. They had to walk through this. They had to go through this process. They had to experience that. And it is for our benefit. They had to go through it, but we don't have to go through these things. And there's one thing that I find, and I don't know um, if generations have changed. I, I doubt it very highly in this aspect. But I remember being a child and my mother would, you know, would, would talk to us and tell us stuff. You know, grandfather, you know, different people would communicate to us the mistakes that they made. And they would let us know, listen, you do not have to make these same mistakes. I'm letting you know this is the end result of that mistake. Why would you want to go through that again? Hello, somebody. And for some reason, we as people, we like to make our own mistakes. We like to, you, you've heard the saying, I'm sure you've heard the saying, oh, I just want to learn the hard way. Why? Why do you want to learn the hard way? Let me encourage you. There is no benefit to learning the hard way. Hallelujah. There, 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 there is no greater benefit than, you know, li, li, this is what happens. Do not go that route. And so we have this beauty. We have this opportunity to look at the scriptures and we can look at, hey, this worked. This didn't work. This, this was right. This wasn't right. We can look at these examples, and I've said this repeatedly, and I want you to understand 1 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 10, and, and it communicates to us that we, that they have, that we have been given the, the children of Israel as an example for us so we don't make the same mistakes they did, so we don't make the same decisions they made, so that way we don't walk in those paths and those things that they did that were wrong. But on the same token, I want you to realize that if they are there for an example of what not to do, they can also be a great example of what to do of how we should live. And so we shouldn't just look at it as a warning for us. That's very important. But we should also make sure that when we are looking at the scriptures, that we are going into the scriptures looking at, okay, God, what do I need to do? We should be encouraged as we read this historical account of Israel entering into the promised land and seeing how God delivered them from their enemies as he brought to pass every promise. I, I want you to get it because throughout this book, we see God communicating to the children of Israel prior to this. And he said to them, I'm going to do this i'm going to do that i'm going to do the next thing and god did this did that and the next thing throughout this entire book he communicates that he is faithful to accomplish his will and his purpose in our lives and so we can be encouraged by this reality and while we are encouraged we also need to be instructed as to what is expected of us 
See, we all want God to do stuff for us. Anybody here want God to do stuff for us? Anybody need God to do some things for us? Anybody? I mean, I know that I'm not the only one that needs God to do some things for me. We need God to do stuff for us, and that is great. And you know what? God is there. He's not there to serve us, but he is there to, to, to manifest and complete his will and his purpose in us. This is reality. And so we can trust that God is going to work everything out according to his plan as we walk with him and as we are intimate with him. But what we need to be concerned about is not so much what God God is doing or not doing at any given moment in our lives, we need to be more concerned with what we are doing to obey what God requires of us. We need to be more concerned with considering where am I in this process? Because here's the beauty. We look at Israel and God is not going to walk you and I into, I mean, he may do this, but, you know, I highly doubt it because he's not so much into, you know, jurisdictions of land now. He wants to manifest his kingdom wherever we go. And so the truth of the matter is that when we look at Israel, we're probably not going to be called by God to go and take some new territory that hasn't been discovered. Hello, somebody. To find out that it was discovered and already inhabited. Hello, somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that concept anyway, but anybody, you know, that's, that's American history right there, right? Discovered a land. No, you didn't. There were people already living there. Okay. But God is not going to call us to go and do that because that's not what he is calling us. He, he's not going to say, well, you know what? I want you guys, Faith Dome, I want everybody in Faith Dome to move from wherever you live, and we're going to go find a land, and we're going to go conquer that land, and God is going to slay all of the people in it. That, that's not going to happen, church. So that's not the principle I'm talking about. The principle I'm talking about is us walking according to the will of God for our lives. From the beginning, I said this was not about a land. This was about living within the promises of God. This was about our lives experiencing the promises and the purpose that God has within each of our lives as individuals, as well as us corporately and collectively, that we would walk into those things. That is the whole point of crossing over. That's the whole point of new beginnings, because God wants to move us into another realm in ministry, to move us into another realm of our devotion and our dedication unto him. Pastor Robert said it. He talked about commitment. He wants to move us to that next level of commitment in him and so if you've been committed well say if you've been committed to loving God and you've been committed to you know loving him with all of your heart and everything okay well it's time for you to step into that next commitment growing together so that means that you know you're gonna have to push you're gonna have to do what you got to do in order to do what to make it out on Wednesday nights I know it's uncomfortable glory to God I know it's tough sometimes. I, I, I know we come home tired, worn out from work. I understand all of that. Don't think, you know, well, Bishop, you're full-time minister. You don't understand. Listen, you can talk to my wife about me understanding. I know what it's like to come home from work, dead tired, jump in a shower, and eat my food on the way to church. Hello, somebody. Or even better, not have, you know, because I have a beautiful wife, you know, glory to God. Every time that she's there, I'm going to have food. But if my wife is not there and I didn't have time, Hello. Just come to church hungry. Hello, somebody. All right, I know it's kind of rough, but listen, this is the reality. The reality is we got to move into that next. Uh, that, that means, now, now, now listen, now, now, I'm, I'm sensitive. I try, I try my best, you know, on Wednesdays to get us out as early as possible because I know we got school and work the next day. But listen, listen, we, we, we all can make a, can we make a little sacrifice, a little sacrifice. It's a little, little sacrifice, right? 30, 30, 30, 30 minutes of sleep. Just listen, listen, look, can I say this? Growing together on Wednesday night, don't fellowship afterward. Go home. 
Because I was out there in that lobby until like 9, 30, 10 o'clock last Wednesday, kicking people out the church, glory to God. That's a good thing, you know what I'm saying? So, so you know, if, if you're one of those that, you know, you can't hang, oh, well, you go, listen, as soon as, as a matter of fact, when I say amen, do like I do on Sunday morning. Y'all notice, I, I don't know y'all, if y'all notice this, but when, when, when Pastor Aldo starts praying, I'm there. By the time he says amen, how did I get out there to the front so quick? What I did was, as soon as he started praying, I began to mobilize myself, and I walked down this aisle, and I stand right there at the door. So I can do what? So I can be out there before anybody who is trying to sneak out without saying hello to me. I know some of y'all be doing that, be trying to duck me and dodge me and be like, oh, I'm going to just run out. No, I ain't letting you run out. I'm going to be right there. Glory to God, no. Wanna... But what I'm saying is, on Wednesday night, when they say amen, you know what you need to do? You need to be out the door. I love you. I love you. Glory to God. Got to get my kids. Got to go. I'm out. I love you. I'll see you Sunday. Hallelujah. Listen, it just, we're gonna, we, got, we got to move to that next. Oh, well, I'm committed to Wednesdays. I'm committed. Okay, so what about the next thing? What, 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 about, what about reaching others? That's what the men talked about on Friday. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What, what, what about reaching other people? Where is that commitment level? To, and and wait, wait a second. But Bishop, I thought you said it was going to another level of ministry. I love what Pastor Robert said last week. You know, he said it was going to be a little rough. I don't think it was that rough. It was good stuff. Hallelujah. But he read the scripture and he said, you know, you want meat, but you can't even handle milk. I don't think he expounded enough on it, though, because he didn't want to hurt nobody's feelings, you know, because he's got a bad reputation of hurting people's feelings. Glory to God. <laughs> I love Pastor Robert, man. He be bringing the truth. You know what I'm saying? So, so listen, listen. The reality is you want all this great, glorious revelation from God. You still haven't disciplined yourself to have a prayer time. That's rough. You want all this great, glorious responsibility from God. You can't even be at church on time. Hallelujah. Getting rough, huh? You want all this great responsibility and all this stuff from the Lord. And you don't even come to prayer meeting on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. See, Pastor Robert said it was rough. Now it's rough. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church in that scripture. And he's saying, listen, you want all this meat? And you haven't even been faithful with the milk you've been given. You haven't, you, you, you haven't even been. Look, look you, you want all this responsibility. You, you want to do all of this stuff. Notice, notice, notice now. Notice this. Watch this. Loving God, growing together, reaching others, serving. Notice where serving is. Right? See, serving is over here. Reaching others is right here. This is important for us to grasp. Because we all want to get up in ministry and do stuff in ministry. But who are you talking to about Jesus? You want to come and serve up here and get all comfortable and, 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 and you know, increase your, 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 your um, religious devotion. Pastor Robert done opened up a can of worms, huh? Y'all going to talk to Pastor Robert afterward. Pastor Robert, next time expound the scripture so Bishop leave us alone next week. Glory to God. How, 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 how is it possible that I, 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 lo I love this. Pa Pastor Chad was reading some quotes from different men of God, and one of the quotes, I'm going to totally mess it up, is going to be the biggest paraphrase on the planet, but the quote was basically saying this. How can you say you have a relationship with Jesus and not care that sinners be saved? How, how, how is it that you say you know God? You know him. You're walking with him. 
and you don't care that other people don't know him. You don't care that other people are going to spend eternity in hell. I read, I read somewhere, I don't, I don't remember who it was, but he said this. He said, you know, we're praying that sinners get a revelation of hell. He said, I think we're praying incorrectly. We need to pray that the church gets a revelation of hell. Because the moment the church gets a revelation of hell, they will be motivated to get some people out of hell. They will be motivated to deliver some folks from the hell that they are headed towards. They will begin to be broken over the reality. So the point of the matter is, you want all that is great responsibility in church. I mean, are you just being faithful, reaching those, reaching those? Just, just look, I, look, and you know, I, I love Pastor Chad. He read, he, he was reading something from the book, The Disciple Make, um, the, the Disciplines of a Godly Man. And he was talking about the statistics. And I think the statistic was like, what was it, like 10% or 1% of people, what, what, what was the quote? That 1% of Christians have the ability to do like evangelistic preaching. Look at that. So that means everybody in here, I'm not telling you that, you, look, this is what I'm liberating you from this, okay? I'm liberating. You do not have to go door to door and evangelize every single person. What I am going to tell you is this. You need to pray for the lost, and that way you get a burden because Jesus said it clearly. He said this. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into this harvest, right? That's what Jesus said. When Jesus communicated that, you know what? A young lady in the youth ministry when I was youth pastoring, she came to me and she said, you know, Pastor Jason, I have a problem because, you know, I'm really like, you know, timid about sharing the gospel. And, you know, I'm really, you know, I really have an issue with that. Well, she shared it with another leader and the other leader said, well, you know what you need to do to get over that? Just go out there and share the gospel and you're going to be fine. And I said, man, I see a biblical prescription for this. I said, if you are having an issue with this, you know what you need to do? You need to pray to God to give you the boldness in order to go out there and share the gospel. You need to pray to God to give you. See, because here's what happens. When you are truly devoted, I'm not talking about just some mechanical prayer in which you say, Father God, I pray that you send workers into the harvest. I'm not talking about that mechanical stuff. I'm talking about a real deep, heartfelt prayer when you are coming before God with a burden from the Lord and saying, God, this world needs you. You said in your word that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In other words, you said in your word that there are many people out there who need to hear the gospel. You even told your disciples to lift up their eyes and look because the fields were white and ready for picking. In other words, there are many out there who are ready to receive your message. There are many out there who are ready to hear the gospel. There are many out there who are ready, who you have been preparing. And Father, I ask you to give Give workers, raise up people that will go out there and share that message. And you know what will happen? As you are praying that prayer, the Spirit of God will begin to deposit within you a burden and a boldness to go out there and say, wait a second, it will click inside of you. Man, I am the laborer that God is going to send into this harvest. And again, it doesn't mean you have to go door to door knocking and calling people out of their house like Jehovah's Witnesses do on Saturday. If that is in your heart, glory to God, please don't wait for someone else to do it get up and do it it doesn't mean that you have to go and do it that but what i'm saying is the people as we were praying earlier today god has placed us in the lives of people for what to bring them deliverance to bring them salvation to bring them healing to bring them transformation he put you and i there he put us there for what so that way they could see the glory of god through us Hear me, church. 
We want all that is rich, revelation. And you know what happens? We just become fat and more comfortable Christians. That's all we do. We come to church. Sit down. Glory to God, I need my revelation from the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, speak to me. Mm, I hope Bishop prayed this week. I hope, he, I hope he really prepared the message this week, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm ready to receive, Lord. Then you stand up. Boy, it's getting rough, boy. Hallelujah. You stand up. You watch to see who's missing from the music ministry. It was Jimmy today. He's sick. Hallelujah. <laughs> you stand in your seat. Music's a little loud today, right? And listen, I know folks have come to me. Pastor Robert came to me the other day and he told me the music was loud. I love when Pastor Robert does that. You want to know why? Because he never says anything. You're not, in, you're not engaged. It's rough, rough. I know it's rough today. Right? But yet, you want great revelation. Start preaching. Well, I didn't want to hear that. No, no, no. It ain't about what you wanted to hear. <laughs> I heard that before. Really? So let me ask you a question. You heard it before? Are you doing anything with it? I'm just saying. I heard that before. You know, I tell husbands something when I do counseling with them. When they tell me about their wives that are nags, I said, you know what will stop her nagging? Do what she's asking you to do. <laughs> Guess what? She'll stop nagging. If your wife is telling you take out the garbage every day, Take out the garbage without her asking you. Guess what you won't hear? Take out the garbage. She may add something else, and I'll counsel her too. But listen, you want to stop hearing the same thing? Do what is being asked. Listen, if you read your Bible, you're going to see God does what? He repeats himself over and over and over and over again. Why? Because he wants you to get it. You got to get what he's communicating. Right? So, the, so that, means, that means that tomorrow... Every single one of you that is in here today is going to find somebody that you work with. or you, you Look, some of y'all ain't even going to wait for tomorrow. Today, glory to God. When you go, you're going to go to your neighbor who you know never goes to church. They out there, they washing their car first thing in the morning, doing their thing. They cutting their grass. They're doing everything under the sun on Sunday except worshiping the sun. Hello. The son of God, not the sun, because they are worshiping the sun because they're using the sun for their glory. Hello, somebody. So the reality is some of us are going to go home today and we are going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which I know someone's going to do that, glory to God, because you don't want to hear this again, right? See, y'all shouldn't have said no right there. You shouldn't have said no. You said, yes, Bishop, we want to hear this every week. We want to see. And, and, and the, re the reason why this is so important, the reason why this is so important, church, is because you and I have to understand something. 
We are called to be an army of people who are out there doing mighty works for the kingdom and the glory of God. God has placed within us his spirit. He put it within all of us. And the moment that we rise up and we decide, you know what? I'm not going to be a quiet, sit back, laid back type of Christian, but I am going to be one that is going to walk in what God is calling me to. I'm going to walk in that dimension of go ye therefore, right? So what is that mean? Come on now. Let's get theological. When, the, when, when, when Jesus was communicating, go ye therefore, what he was saying is, as you go, as you live, day by day, step by step, relationship by relationship, encounter by encounter, person by person, as you go, as you live, teach, communicate, let them know about the Savior who delivered you. Everybody in the church, look, there is a there is a specific office of evangelist. And that means that there is a gift for an evangelist within the church. Not everybody has that gift. That is a reality. But everybody has a mandate to share the gospel. And everybody, whether you are a gifted as an evangelist or not, you have the power of the Holy Ghost to do what? We talked about it in a men's meeting on Friday. To, to, to bring the revelation that God wants you to bring forward because the Spirit of God does the work. He does what? Convicts of sin, convicts of righteousness, convicts of judgment. Is that not what he does? He dwells inside of every one of us. So it's our responsibility. But we want all this revelation. We want, y'all thought I forgot about that, glory to God. We want all this revelation. We have reaching others there. Get devoted to reaching others. And then... Devoted to service. So here's the thing. Well, you know what, Bishop? I've been loving God with all of my heart. I've been making the sacrifice on Wednesdays, even fellowshipping a little bit afterwards. I'm out there trying to share the gospel. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing, you know, I'm sharing the love of Christ, being a good testimony, being a good witness. You know, I'm trying to lead people to the Lord. And so, you know what? Then maybe the next level for you is to find out where you can serve within the body of Christ. Amen? So God is talking to us about this commitment. He's communicating to us about us moving forward. And I told you that the title of the message was Deal or No Deal. Because when we look at these scriptures here, we find that there's some principles that are very important for us to grasp. And so the reality is this, church, is that it is left up to us to agree to the terms of the Lord or to disagree. When we look at the scriptures and we see this is what God requires of us, this is what God is saying that we have to do, we have a choice in the matter. We can agree to the terms of service. Hello. We can agree to those terms of service, or we can reject those terms of service. Now, how many of y'all have ever been in a, in a, in a, in a, on a website or something like that, and you got to, like, renew a subscription or something? You know what I'm talking about? And what do you have to do? You have to agree to the terms of service in order for you to what? Experience the benefit of whatever service that particular thing offers you. Am I not right? What happens if you disagree to it? You get no benefit. Hello. Mm-hmm. So what, 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 what that means for us is that we need to understand what our decision is. I, I, I don't want to coerce you into making a decision. I don't want to manipulate you into making a decision. I want you to understand that there are consequences to every decision that we make. Good consequences, bad consequences. There are. That, that, that's just the reality. Decisions we make, they connect us. Decisions we make, disconnect us. And so we find here that in, this scripture, in, in these scriptures here, we find some prerequisites or some lasting requirements from the Lord. The first one that we find is look at verse 6 here really quickly. It says, therefore, actually we're going to read from verse 4. It says, see, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. From the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. 
And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. And the first thing that he says, therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, and lest you go among these nations, um, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. And so the first thing that Joshua communicates, now mind you, remember the Bible says that he is old. And you're going to see when we get to the end of this chapter here, he is going to communicate very clearly with them that he is about to go the way of all the earth. He is about to die. And so this is what we can call his last words. These next two chapters are the last words that Joshua communicates. How many of you know that the last words of a person when they're dying are very important words? How many of y'all know that? And, and, and you know what? It may be like that today, but back then he was even more important. You remember that when Joseph was there with his father, and with Jacob and Jacob was there when he was on his deathbed he said man bring your sons here because I need to bless them why because my last words are vitally important I'm going to release a blessing I'm going to give you some things that you need to stand on that you need to remember and so the children of Israel are listening the the elders the heads the officers all of the leadership of the nation are now in a conversation and listening to what Joshua is saying and the first thing that Joshua says is he says you need to be courageous to do something he doesn't say you need to be courageous to go and fight the inhabitants that are still there in the land that isn't what Joshua says Joshua says you need to be courageous to obey the law of the Lord now this is an important word here because we we, we've got to recognize that in the beginning of this book God communicates the same exact principle to Joshua why is this so important Because when Joshua is at the end of his life communicating to these people, you know what he is is doing? He is affirming the thing that God said to him. And God told him to be very courageous. God told him, man, you need to be resolved. You need to be resolute. You need to be devoted to this word. Why do you think God would communicate such a thing to him and then him communicate it later? It is because after all of these years, however many years, it says a long time after. So after all of these years of him being the leader over the children of Israel, you know what he recognized? He recognized the most difficult thing for him, the most most intense thing for him to do was to make sure he obeyed everything that the word of God declared repeat this after me courage to obey is a lasting requirement of the Lord one of the greatest struggles that we will ever face will be that of 100% adherence to the word of God. And yes, I did say 100% adherence to the word of God. Because there are many folks that are at different places in their lives. There are some people, they're at like 50% adherence. There are some people at like 25% adherence. There are some people at like 75% adherence. There are other people that are at like 99.9% adherence. And yet that means that they still have a point percent, hello, to go on ahead and adhere to the word. Nobody in this place has arrived hello somebody 100% there is always room to grow for us as Christians no matter how holy you get listen you can throw your TV away you can go on ahead and get a bicycle and throw your car away and ride everywhere I don't listen I don't care how sanctified you are you can become more holy hello 
You can become more like him. You can become more like God. You can get deeper into his word. You can memorize this, this Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you can still grow in knowledge and revelation of who he is. And so the reality is that we've got to grasp that the most difficult thing for us is going to be 100% adherence to the word of God. Why is this so tough? Well, I'm going to tell you why. I'll give you some reasons why I see why it's so difficult. When you see wicked people prospering, when you see folks that you know they're just downright grimy, hello, just nasty, you know they do not love God, and they drive in a nicer car than you. They got a better house than you got, bigger house than you got. You see all of these things that they have. It seems like their family's good. Everything is. When you see these people that are unfaithful, and it seems like they're blessed. I was talking to a brother the other day. He was, um, on, on Friday, he was, you know, he came to me for some counsel regarding his ministry decisions. And he was telling me, you know, he, he works with drug addicts, you know, he, and, um, He's telling, he, he was telling me, he said, man, you know, it's really tough for me. He said, because I know these guys that are coming out of these programs because I'm the one that's ministering to them in the beginning of, you know, their whole situation. These guys come out of these programs, and he said, I know how they're living. He said, they're over here, you know, they still get high every once in a while. They still do their thing. And, man, they're getting, they're getting opportunities. Hear this now. They are getting opportunities to go and speak in front of big churches, to go and share their testimony, to talk about how good God is and how God delivered them from these things. And he's like, man, I know these people ain't been delivered yet and he said and I'm over here he said I'm, I'm like you know preserving my I'm not perfect he said but man I'm doing my I'm seeking God's face you know I'm going after the Lord and I'm asking God to you know deal with me and, and, and you know and I'm growing in these and, and he's like man it's tough yeah that's tough church you see people you look you you see people who are doing stuff that is just not right you see this right and that's tough because, man, I'm trying to be this tightrope Christian, right? I'm trying to, I mean, look, Bishop talking about prayer. I'm, I'm trying to get up early to pray, glory to God. I'm, I'm, I'm look, I'm, I'm cutting out television programs. You know, I'm, I'm in the Word. I'm reading three chapters a day so I can read the Bible in a year. I'm going through. And, man, I'm seeing these other people that I know, man, their life is just messed up. You don't think, I mean, man, I guess I'm the only person on the planet that thinks that's messed up. Hello, somebody. Be like, man, praying, I'm, I'm doing, I'm not perfect. See, that, that's, I'm not perfect. But, man, I see other people who are much more imperfect than me. And see, imperfect, let, let, let me say, imperfection is not even the question. Because everyone is going to be imperfect. It's that, man, you can see that they're not even walking with a repentant heart before God. That, that, that stuff will mess with your head. Hello, somebody. And you know what? This, this is what God says. God says, regardless of all of that, I think it's Psalm 37 where you can really get down and you can really look at some stuff where he talks about, man, look, don't, don't, don't trip. I'm, I'm paraphrasing right now, okay? This is like the 2010 version of the Bible here, okay? Don't trip. <laughs> don't fret. When you see evildoers prospering, don't, don't, even, don't even sweat that. You continue. God delights in the steps of a good man. Hello. 
Listen, you need to take the testimony of the word of God and be like, look, you know what, whatever. They can be, I'm going to continue to walk this thing out. You see, because the temptation comes and says, well, man, you know, if they're doing all right, I guess it's okay with God. The devil is a liar. It is not okay with God. It is not. Look, for y'all that missed it, y'all missed Wednesday night, I answered the question about drinking alcohol. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I enjoyed that teaching probably more than anything else I've done in a long time. Hallelujah. Because I got to clarify some things that are scriptural. Because, you know, you got, and, and I said the statistic, I don't remember it exactly, but it's like, like some 60-something percent of Christians. Now, that they, 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 Christians, Protestant Christians, hear me now. They, they, they consume alcoholic beverages. So that says there's a problem. There's an issue with that. Not being legalistic, no. Glory to God. I'm glad this is on the internet too because they can hear it on the internet, praise the Lord. Listen, the scriptures, talk to that. What's important for us to do? Take what the scriptures say. Don't follow what other people are doing. Look at what the scriptures teach. Look at what the scriptures communicate so that way you have one thing. Look, this is what you got. You and I have got to grasp. There is a day that we will come before God Almighty, and we are going to be rewarded for our behavior in this earth. Did you hear me? There is a, and we should be living for that day. So we may not see every single thing we want to see here on the earth, but we're looking forward to a glory that is going to come. Amen? So the biggest struggle is going to be us being in the word of God, us obeying what the scriptures teach. So how is it possible for us to walk in obedience? Well, he communicates to, to, to Joshua early on. He tells him not to let this word depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So how is it that I do the things that the word of God tell me to do? Well, the first thing is I must, I must, I must, I must be a disciplined person when it comes to the word of God. I must be a person who is in the word of God, who is meditating on the scriptures. Look, you can always tell what people are meditating on all the time just by having a little bit of conversation with them because they will begin to communicate what? What is in their heart? What is the abundance of their heart? What they're meditating on, what they're thinking about, what they're considering. When you talk to folks, you start to see where their mind is and where their mind has been. Hello. Where their mind has been all week. Where their mind has been for the last few days. What they've been thinking about. So the first thing he tells them, man, you need to meditate on this word day and night. When you wake up in the morning, word of God. When you go to bed, word of God. Whatever that means for you, that's what needs to happen. If it means that you need to go on ahead and get your MP3 player or your iPod or your phone or whatever and hook up some Bible. My daughter showed me something. I think it's called Bible.is or something like that. It's an app on the phone. And you know what? That thing reads the Bible to you. Go on ahead and put it on real low and put it next to you. So all night long, you got the word of God just being spoken into your life. There ain't nothing wrong with that. You're not being you know, like, like oh, I'm just being too religious. Listen, you need to get spiritual minded, glory to God, so that way you confront life from a biblical perspective and you are able to live according to the scriptures. Whatever you have to do, you don't read very well. Listen, you got all kind of stuff that'll read the Bible to you and that way you can renew your mind and get your mind the way that it needs to be. So the one thing is we've got to be meditating on the word. But the other thing is, and this is equally important, is you must meditate on the goodness of God. When you read Joshua communicating to the children of Israel, you know what he does? He spends, and we'll see it in chapter 24 next week, he spends all of this time doing what? Communicating how good God has been to you. 
communicating how good God has been. Oh, your situation may not be perfect. There's still some inhabitants in the land. You may not have everything the way you thought it was going to be, but God has still been good to you. And what happens to us is we forget about where God has brought us from. We forget what God has done for us. We forget how God has delivered us. We forget how good he has been. And then what happens is because we're not meditating upon the goodness of God, we start to meditate on the things around us that are not the way that they should be or the way that we would like them to be. And then before you know it, what happens? Our mind begins to go from a place of praise, from a place of worship, from a place of thanksgiving to a place of, of being of being a critical person, to a place of being a, a person who is not, who is unthankful, a person who is not giving glory to God. Why? Because we forgot what God has done. So you meditate on his goodness. Why is it so important? Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Romans chapter 2. I'm going to show you why this is so important. I love this. Hallelujah. The book of Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. Now, before we go any further, before you, we start reading together, who is the book of Romans written to? Okay, we know it's written to the Romans. We got that. Paul is not writing to Rome. He is writing to the church in Rome. Say it with me. This book is written to the church in Rome. Okay. It's important for us to understand who is being written to because then we can understand this in his context, who he's talking to. He's talking to Jewish folk. He's talking to Jewish believers here as well. Look at what he says. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man? You who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? He's talking to the church. Why is he telling the church to repent? I thought we already repented. He's talking to the church. He's saying, look, he's talking to Jewish believers, and he's saying, man, you're over here looking at other people, and here's the thing. You think, now this is what he's saying to the Jewish people. Now, you got to hear this. This, this, is, this is so vitally important. He's saying to the Jewish people, all of your life, you have been told you are the chosen people. You are God's elect. This is, this is what has happened. Children, children of Israel. This is what you have heard all of your life. You remember Jesus is preaching? He's like, man, don't try to say that you're sons of Abraham because God will, you know, he'll raise up sons from here. And so listen now. He's saying to them, all of your life, you have heard that you are chosen. And so no matter what you do, you have in your mind, God's going to deliver you. That's your mindset. Now let me help you to understand something else. In today's church, how does this apply? Well, once you're saved, you're always saved. So no matter what you do, you're good to go. You've already said a prayer. I talked to someone one day, talked to them about their relationship with Jesus. They communicated with me. Oh, I did that when I was in Bible school, when I was, in, when, when I was a little kid. 
Really? So that's done. That checklist. I already said a prayer. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. Listen, this is what Christians believe, y'all. And these, and, and these Jewish Christians, they had a double portion of that. Not only am I Jewish, but Jesus died for me on the cross. So I, you know what? I've already made an, I've already been baptized in water. You got to hear this now. I've already been baptized in water. You know, I come to synagogue. I, I come to, to the fellowship, you know, me, meals that we have together. I, I, I do all of those things. And so I'm good to go. Paul is saying, hold on a second, hold on, hold on. Do you despise the riches of his goodness? Do you despise these things? He's saying because all of these things that you've seen, all of this mercy, that's all been his goodness. And you know what it's supposed to do? Rather than make you proud, rather than make you feel like you're okay, it should bring you to repentance. It should bring you to the place where you stop looking at everybody else's sin and start looking in the mirror of the word of God and begin to become broken over your own sin. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, oh yeah, the goodness of God. See, that's why when folks start talking about, well, I don't want to preach about hell and I don't want to talk about the law because it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Man, you better get your theology right. He was talking to the church. People don't know why they need Jesus until they understand that they are sinners. Hello, somebody. Now, that doesn't mean you got to be rude and rough and sending people to hell. That's not what I'm saying. But in love, you and I have to communicate the truths of God's word because the Bible says that the law, in the book of Galatians, I believe it is, is a schoolmaster. It is what brought you to Christ. It is the law of God. It is understanding that we have violated his law. That's what does what? That's what shows me how to come to Jesus. But for the church, for the church, we need to meditate on the goodness of God. Because when we're meditating on the goodness of God, you know what that does? It produces repentance in our hearts and it produces praise on our lips. It produces true humility before God. Hallelujah. It produces true, just, Lord, I thank you for all of your goodness. And it enables us, it empowers us to do what? The most difficult thing sometimes, to obey the word of God 100%. The second thing, please repeat after me. Say deliberate separation from the world is a lasting requirement. Go back to Joshua chapter 23, please. Look what verse 7 says. After he says in verse 6, he says, Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside to it, to the right hand or to the left. Verse 7 says, And lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them, nor shall you serve them, nor bow down to them. And you go to verse 12 and it says, or else if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnants of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they, and, and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. And we can stop there. 
But what God is communicating is he's saying, listen, he said separation from the world is something that remains a principle. So the first principle of responsibility, we must obey the word of God. We must obey what the scriptures teach. We must be devoted to knowing what God expects of us and living it. We must be devoted to meditation upon the word. We must be devoted to meditating on the goodness of God. And that way we don't become critical, unthankful Christians, but that way we can be people who are walking in a continual repentance before God. Not repentance because I'm afraid of going to hell, but repentance because I recognize my sinfulness in comparison to his holiness. There is a difference and we've got to understand that as Christians when we are repenting before God, if you are washed in that blood, if you are born again and you are walking with him, it's not a fear that you're going to go to hell. It is an understanding that he is a holy God and you are still not living according to those standards. So I don't want you, if you're a Christian, to be afraid of hell. No, I want you to be moved by hell for those who don't know God. That's what I want you to do. I want you to be moved by the reality of hell for those who don't know. But you as a Christian, we need to walk in a daily repentance before the Lord and humility. And like I said in the Friday night meeting with the men, I said, you know, it's amazing because the people who are the closest to God always feel the furthest from him. But the people who are the furthest from him always feel the closest. Because the reality is, when we're far from him, oh, yeah, he's holy, but you don't understand what holiness is. But when you get close to him and you get near that consuming fire of holiness that he is, you begin to recognize, man, I am so unholy, it is not funny. Hello. And you begin to have that humility and that repentance. But the second thing is that we must have a heart that understands, man, I cannot be like the world. I cannot be like this world system. I cannot just go on ahead and just accept everything as it comes. God warned Israel of becoming one with these nations. He said, listen, if you don't adhere to my word, the next thing that's going to happen, you're going to become one. Because you know what's going to happen? If you're not listening to my word, you're listening to someone's word. If you're not listening to my counsel, you're listening to someone's counsel. If you're not obeying my commandments, my standards, my rules, guess what? You're adhering to someone else's standards, someone else's rules, someone else's principles. It's one of the, it, look, we, we try to make it cute. Look, it's not cute. It's real. There's, there, there's goats and there's sheep. There's people who are living for God and people who are living for themselves. And some of the ones that are living for themselves look like they're living for God. The reality is they're not. So we have this understanding that the scriptures teach us separation. He said, look, if you're not holding on to my word, if you're not doing what my word says, you're going to become one with these nations. You're going to get married to these people. In other words, you're going to make this covenant with these people. You're going to become one with them, and you're going to, and you're going to be in this marriage relationship that, you know what? The Bible says what? God hates divorce, right? Hello? So now you're going to be in a relationship that you're bound by. You're going to be loving. You're going to go on ahead and procreate, make children with these, with, with these nations. And now you're going to have a mixed up theology. You're going to have a mixed up mindset. You're going to have a mixed up life because people are going to be, well, hey, man, you know, we, 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 we love Jehovah. You know, mama loves Jehovah. We love Baal. Hello. Well, dad, you know, he goes to synagogue on Saturday. Mom, she's just crazy. Hello. She just goes in the backyard and lays out in front of the sun, and she worships the sun. That's, you know, that, 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 that is what he, he was saying to them. He's saying, look, you don't want to mix up stuff. You don't want to make a mess because this is about relationship with God. It's about relationship with God, devotion to God. Here's the issue, church, is that we cannot allow the world to influence our decisions or the doctrine of our lives. Notice I didn't say our church, our lives. 
Because sometimes we come to church in this setting here, and there's a certain doctrine. It doesn't mean that everybody believes the same doctrine. It doesn't mean that everyone's living the same doctrine. Hello. See, each of us, each of us is responsible for the doctrine of our lives, for the doctrine of our homes, to make sure that our life, that our, that our doctrine of living is what? In alignment with the scriptures. It's not Bishop's responsibility, not Pastor Robert's responsibility, not Pastor Chad's responsibility, not Pastor Aldo's responsibility. We do not create the doctrine for your home. We create the doctrine for our own home, and we, because I know these men, get that doctrine from the Word of God. Hallelujah. What we do is we communicate that same doctrine that we're living to who? The church that we've been entrusted with. That's what we do. So we have this responsibility. We have this responsibility to make sure that we are not allowing the world to influence our doctrine. See, the problem is that we must make sure that we view the world as a mission field, not a message center. I, I hope you got that. You shouldn't be going to the world for answers. The world should be coming to you for answers. But some of us, are looking, we, we become so superstitious as Christians. Everything is a sign from God. Hello. Oh, that must have been a sign. Oh, that, 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 that had to be a sign. I, you know. Asking God for this confirmation. That, hold on, it's time out. Can we grow up in Christ? Can we have a relationship like the Bible says that those who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God? That's what we're supposed to have as Christians. That's what we are supposed to experience as Christians, but we become superstitious, and we're waiting for stuff to happen, and then we're looking for messages from ungodly people, ungodly situations. Oh, that was, wait, hold on a second. I know God can use a donkey to speak. Hello. But that was an extreme situation. It wasn't like God said, okay, Balaam, now every time that I'm going to speak to you, go to the donkey. That's how we act. Oh, well, God could use a donkey, so he could use anybody. Hold on a second. Time out. Have you, have you talked to any godly people about whatever it is you're going through? Hello, somebody. Have you communicated first and foremost? Forget godly people. Have you really, really got on your face before God and prayed and sought him and opened up your Bible and found out what the Bible says about that situation? Because I can guarantee you at least, at least 79%. I said 79 just to throw a different number out there. But at least, okay, 79% of every question and everything you're going to go through is found right here in your Bible, the answer to it. That's the first question. Did you go there to get the counsel from God? Did you go there to hear what God had to say? See, but most of us, and I said this before, most of us don't want to go here because a lot of times, like I said earlier, we, 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 we go to God. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, but that's what you needed to hear. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to hear that. I, I, I don't want to hear that I need to change this. I want to hear how they need to change. I don't, I don't want to hear how I, how I need to learn how to submit and, and be respectful. I want to hear how I need to get a new job. You don't want to hear what God's word has to say. But then after you've gone to the word of God, maybe you're in one of those, you know, 21% of things that you got to go and get from someone else, right? Or you don't need to, but you're going to not find it directly in your Bible. So then who did you go to? Did you go to your friend? 
that doesn't pray, doesn't see God, doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, and I'm only saying this because you know this, not because you're judging them. This person is clearly not a Christian, right? Did you go to them? Or did you go to someone that you know is seeking God? I didn't even say a pastor in the church. Did you go to someone you know is seeking God? There's people sitting next to you. Look around. Look, look. Don't look at me. Look around. Look around. I need to see heads moving. Looking around. Look around. Look around. Look around. Glory to God. There's some spiritual people right around you. Right? There's some unspiritual people around you, too. That's just a fact. Hello. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but it's a reality. But there are some spiritual people that are around you. Did you go to them to get the counsel, or did you just go right directly to someone who don't know Jesus? Folks want to listen to Dr. Phil more than they want to listen to Jesus. Hello. You want to you read books that are, you know, they're, they're medically correct, you know, and psychologically founded and all that good stuff, but you won't read your Bible. Mm-hmm. The world, listen to me now. The world is supposed to be our mission field, not the message center. For too long, church, and I'm getting ready to close with this. For too long, the church has tolerated the culture rather than confronting it in love and the power of the spirit. The result has been a compromising and weak church. Listen, I know that's not popular preaching. Everybody wants to hear the good, nice, you know, everything's going to be wonderful. Well, it's not going to be wonderful. If things continue the way that they are, it will never be wonderful. As I was praying for you, for, for you that were here during our prayer time, I began to, I was praying, and yesterday I went to a, a pastors and leaders meeting, breakfast, and the leader of the, of, of the breakfast was giving a statistic, and he was talking about how 30 years ago, 80% of people were going to church. Now, it's a different scenario. You got like 70% of people that say they don't attend church in the United States of America. So what does that mean for us? Oh, the church has lost relevance. The only way the church loses relevance is when people stop praying. When people stop living for God as he declares. That's the only way you lose, you, you lose revel, re relevance. Listen to me. Listen, hear me. Hear me. No matter if I know every popular artist that is out there, no matter if I know all of the latest gossip that is going on within the celebrity world, no matter if I know that or not, the most important thing for me to know is to know who Jesus is and to communicate his love for you and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? Yeah, you and I might be able to sit down, and if I come talk to you about so-and-so, we might be able to relate on that level. But you know what, man? Here's the, here, here's the reality. We need to get a little bit deeper into the word. We need to get a little bit deeper into Jesus and let Jesus lead our conversations. Because you know what really busts open a conversation? When you come and you communicate with someone and you, and you read their mail, 
because you know what? God Almighty has been watching this person going through whatever they're going through, and you walk up to them and you say, you know what? I don't know. Well, you, and you know what? You ain't even got to be falsely humble. You can go up to that person and say, because you have a relationship with God, you know, I just feel like this. I feel like the Lord is communicating to me to come and talk to you, and that's if you want to get, you know, with the religious communication, or you can walk to that person and say, you know what? I just, I really feel like I need to let you know this. And when you come and you communicate that stuff, can I let you know something? Every wall is going to fall down because that person is going to be like, hold on a second. How do you know that stuff? How, how do you know what's going on? How, wh wh where, where did you come from? See, but that only happens with a relationship with God. And can I tell you something? I'll trade in all the information this world can offer me to know what God has to say about folks. To know what God has to say about folks because God knows, you know what? That harvest that is white, that harvest that is plentiful, God knows how to get that harvest. He knows how to do it. And you know what he'll do it? He'll do it through vessels like you and I who will simply submit. See, because while our compromising, because we have just been silent, like when we talked about the whole drinking thing, when we talked about, when we talked about that on Wednesday, the church is silent about stuff like that. We don't want to talk about that because we don't want to push people away. Listen, God is holy, and that's the bottom line. He's holy, and he's going to remain holy no matter whether we like it or not. That is just the reality. And you have a choice. You can walk with him or you can walk without him. Did you hear the choice? You can walk with him or you can walk without him. There's no almost with him. Almost with him is not going to get you to heaven. Hello. Almost with him is not going to cause you to experience the full blessing in your life the way that God wants you. Almost with him is not going to do it, church. Almost with him is not. But we have a choice. We can make that decision. We say, you know what? I, I, I want to walk with him. Well, if I want to walk with him, then I'm going to have to embrace these standards. Amen? What he wants to do, church, is he wants to restore that power to the church. Because it's not about the statistics. It's not about, oh, you know, we need to, have, we need to get, get it back to 80% of people attending church. That's, it's not about church attendance. It's about salvation of souls. It's about people coming to know the Savior who died for them. That's what it's about. It's about people understanding that what the Bible says is true. And not just because I can prove it historically, geographically, and I can prove it prophetically. No, but because there is a power that is manifesting through your life, through my life, and bringing change to their lives. So God wants to restore power. The question is, do you want that power restored to you? Let's all stand to our feet, please.